Welcome to Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat. My name's Jim Byrne and the Pat in the title is Pat Byrne. And this is episode 74. In this episode, Pat chats to Scottish poet and writer Ali Whitelock. Her first book, called Poking Seaweed, Seaweed with a Stick and Running Away from the Smell, was launched at Sydney Writers Festival in 2008. The book received critical acclaim in Australia and in the UK. Ali is now living in Australia as a full-time writer. However, over the next few weeks you can catch her at festivals in Scotland, Northern Ireland and Ireland. Details of her Limerick, Belfast, Dublin and Cork appearances can be found on her website at alleywhitelock.com. Now, if you're in Glasgow West End, uh, I highly recommend you catch Ali at Waterstones and Byers Road on the 29th of August, where she will be appearing with Maggie Gibson and Jenny Lindsay. Okay, enough of me. Let's catch up with Pat chatting with Ali Whitelock. And I should just say before, before we go there, after they're chatting for a wee bit, there starts to become a bit of interference in the audio. No idea how that happened, but it starts to crackle. You can still hear all the talking clearly enough. Anyway, here's uh, Pat chatting to Ali Whitelock. Ali Whitelock has come up to see me today. How lovely, lovely um, to see you back. Thank so, you so much. And welcome to Scotland. Thanks, I'm so happy to be back. Ali's over from Australia. Yeah. And um, she's a poet, so she's been pretty busy since she... I've been busy since came, I arrived, came yeah. over. Yeah. So you've been to the Edinburgh Festival? Yeah, we had, uh, had two readings at the Fringe with Maggie Gibson and Word Jazzology. So we Friday and Saturday night, and that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'd only just landed a couple of days before, so I was I was over the jet lag and able to go straight away and do it. It was just wonderful, mm-hmm. lovely. Yeah, I've I've been to those events in in, in Glasgow, um, and they're, they're super. Well, she's so um, got a it's got a nice sort of. Um, Something for everybody with the yeah. um, Ian McPherson. Yeah, that's right. A bit of comedy, a bit of music, mm-hmm. and a bit yeah. of poetry. It's just perfect. And was it was Christine Beauville? Christine, no, she wasn't singing with us. Christine's got her show on at the French. Right. Well, she's busy with many, else. many shows. But yeah. I did have the opportunity to read We Were Jazzology last year at Partick Hill at the bowling yes. club. And Christine uh-huh. was singing. Yeah. And it's just so good. Yeah. Just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had such a ball. So, and it was last year I met Maggie, mm-hmm. and um, and we've since mm-hmm. conspired mm-hmm. and done lots of other events together. Maggie mm-hmm. came out to Australia, I know, that was and we did fabulous. a few readings together. I know, I know so, so good. The, um, Facebook's great for all that. I know, to isn't kind it? Of, um, see, you know, yeah. because um, you could sh- see she was so excited about going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was it, it was great. No, no, that was that was smashing. Of course, um, I, I I really really like her her poetry. Maggie's poetry is amazing. She's very um, it's very easy. It's very accessible. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not you're you're not going to sort of think no poetry. Mm. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, so, I know. So it's uh, stunning. No, that that that's good. So you you had a good time in Edinburgh. 
did have a good time in Edinburgh and then uh, I, Maggie and I were in the West End yesterday having coffee at Waterstones. So we're putting up the posters for the event mm-hmm. and, um, and we met a few celebrities. <laughs> Maggie seems to know everybody and then introduces <laughs> me to everybody so it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I met Gina from River City and um, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was lovely, <laughs> it was lovely. We had lovely tea up there and browsing the bookshop. It was great. I loved the West End. Did you Did you meet Bernard McLaughlin? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that yeah. was such a treat as well. Just mm-hmm. it was lovely. Yeah, it was great mm-hmm. getting all those introductions. I'm it's sure very well connected to her, Maggie. I'm sure it'll be a great. No, she certainly she certainly is. Everybody knows Maggie. Yeah. Um, I mean, she will. She organises a lot of events and then she gets invited to mm-hmm. perform at lots of events. Yeah. So. And yeah. then she has her um, writing classes. Yeah, the Wild Women so, Workshops. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Wild Women Writing Workshops, yes. I should say. Uh-huh. Yeah, Maggie ran one of those in Sydney while she was there. Oh, good. And that was uh, hugely successful. Everybody mm-hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. I did it too. It was amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so good. good. So when did you go to Australia? 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I followed my sister, really. She'd already... Um, migrated and so I I just really yeah I was really running away from Scotland really you know and my sister being there made it easy easy-ish you know I went to visit her I loved it I came back tried to find a way to go back and live permanently but that was very difficult and then I just kept coming um, as a tourist really mm-hmm. and then I managed to get um, a working oh no it was an it was a student visa you know, so I signed up to do a course which gave me a five-year visa, can you believe? Mm-hmm. And then in that first year of doing the course, I met my husband, who's now my husband, rather, Thomas. And and we got married in that first year, which meant I could then uh, apply to live permanently in Australia mm-hmm. as, as his wife. Mm-hmm. So we did that, and that's that's his, that's all history now. You know, we're still together 25 years on, mm-hmm. and I got my papers... <laughs> Yeah, and you're working full-time as a poet? I write full-time. I treat treat it as my job. That's really good. That's great. I gave up. You know, I had many jobs. I worked in hospitality for many, many years in Australia. And one of the times... I haven't been back to Scotland much at all, but four or five years ago, I made a trip back to see my mum, who had been sick. But by the time I, my flight came around, she'd made a remarkable recovery. So I went back anyway, you know, I'll, I'll have a wee holiday. And I, mum and my father are separated. And uh, well, when I went back, I thought, I'll just drop in and see him in inverted commas. And because we had a terrible relationship, you know, it was very turbulent and sort of, you know, he was a very angry man. And I went to see him and he was, he was gravely ill, mm-hmm. but we hadn't known mm-hmm. that. He was... Mm-hmm. And I just took one look at him on this couch and he was just lying. He looked like a wee sparrow that just fell out the nest, you know, like mm-hmm. thin, mm-hmm. frail. And I thought, Christ, he's not going to last, you know. And he didn't last, although, you know, nobody knew what was wrong with him. Or, But he died nine days later. And so I pretty, mu- I pretty much spent those days with him at the hospital. Eventually got admitted to hospital. Went every day. And, uh, yeah, he died unexpectedly on this... Friday morning, I think it was, and um, I, yeah, I delivered his eulogy and then got on a plane the next day and came back to Sydney. It was all very surreal, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. the time that it happened, the dates that it happened, and then 
buried him, got on a plane back to Sydney. So, yeah, it was quite surreal. It was good you got to see him, though. It was, and you know, it was. it's easily the most important thing I've ever done in my life, mm-hmm. to have been there, to have been with someone else when they were dying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. a sort of, it's a privilege and it's, it's important, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I was catapulted into adulthood in those few days leading up to that, because going to the hospital was a torture. He was, nobody knew what was wrong. He was just, just gravely ill, and yeah. So I've written many, many poems about that. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, when I when I got on the plane, got back to Sydney, I thought, oh, I have to, because I'd seen death. I thought I have to now do what I want to do in my life. Mm-hmm. I can no mm-hmm. longer put it off because I suddenly understand that we're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. up until you sort of turn 50, I think you think you're invincible and life will go on forever mm-hmm. and I'm never going to die, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you as daft as that about, sounds. You don't think about it um, <laughs> at all. And no. Then suddenly, I mean, I, I, I feel as if I go to so many funerals now. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm older. Yeah. You know, the, you know lots of people mm-hmm. that are, are dying. Yeah. You know, and that, that's kind of weird. It is weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I know. So when I went back to Sydney, I, I went, right, okay, I want to f- write full time. That's what I want to do. I'd already had a book published a few years prior to that, maybe six years prior to that. And I. Um, we sold. We decided we'd sell the house in Sydney and move out of Sydney so that we could finance this new life that I now wanted to live. So we did all that, moved out of Sydney, and um, my lovely partner Thomas keeps the food on the table and keeps the lights on. And that first day that I gave up my job, I finished worked my notice on finished up on the Thursday you know, on the Friday morning. Out of fear, I might add, I I had I went straight to my desk to write because. If I'm not earning any money, I have to be, I can't just fritter this time away, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. And so I got to my desk every day and I treated it like a job. So, and that's pretty much what I've done for the last four years. Mm-hmm. I've written, I just go to my desk every single mm-hmm. day. It's my job, it's my job, it's my job. So I subscribe to this um, theory that you show up the work will happen, you know, so I don't yeah. wait for the muse, but I know a lot of poets and writers do wait for inspiration, but I, my inspiration comes from the act of putting the pen on the paper, so mm-hmm. I just show up and I just do it and I just do it and I just do it, and I thought, oh, if I could get one book out of this next year, I'll be really thrilled, and so I did finish the manuscript and I got the publisher and we got the book out and I kept writing while we were waiting for the book to come out, of course, because this is what I do now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so now I've finished the next, the next one's finished and it's coming out at the end of this year. And there's a, quite a sort of literary scene in Sydney. Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. It's, yeah. it's not as big as, as Scotland or the UK scene, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not, obviously. I don't know if that's obvious or not. But um, it's culturally we're quite different. So in Australia, there's a lot, I think, it's, it's very outdoorsy, but then so is Scotland. Mm-hmm. But Sydney's very beachy and very, you know, I think it's certainly a lot more laid back. Mm-hmm. And there are poetry events, but there aren't as many as there are mm-hmm. in Glasgow, for example. No, Glasgow's unbelievable. There's something on mm-hmm. every night. I, 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 um, 
you'll put a lot of stuff up on my website yeah. I, again I, 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 it's impossible to keep up because mm-hmm. there's so much yeah. um, going yeah. on no, it's, it's yeah good. so it's very very mm-hmm. rich here it's rich in Sydney too but not to the extent that it is here mm-hmm. so there's of course um, a lot of the things here would be like open mm-hmm. mics mm-hmm. different things like that and people are they're not getting paid yeah. you know they're, they're performing yeah. and um, sometimes they might be promoting the, their book and yeah. maybe there will be yeah. book sales as part of yeah, it right. but um, there I suppose a lot of times musicians don't get paid as well but they'd be more likely to get paid mm-hmm. than than the poets the yeah that's right and as a poet mm-hmm. you do what you need to do in order to get some exposure you know there are some places that will pay mm-hmm. um something but um it's never really i think the expectation is you know you want you hope you might sell a few books uh-huh. but it's all about the exposure especially in the early days you're just trying to get your name out there you'll do anything and read anywhere for nothing i think you know um, though it's what you want to do and what you're meant to be doing mm-hmm. no, no jim jim works but he's also a musician right so um and he's a, he's a he's a songwriter. Writes a lot of songs. Right. He's always writing and recording. But yeah. He gets so much pleasure from doing that. That's the, the, this is the, you know. Right? He, 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 I mean, even <clears throat> if it would, <clears throat> no matter how small a gig or how big mm-hmm. a gig, he's mm-hmm. going to enjoy it. You know, if there's That's only right. a handful of people Doesn't there, matter. that can. Um, in fact, we were at a. It was a gig. It was a fundraising event um, a few weeks back at Celtic Music Radio, right. and it was a small event. We knew it was going to be a small event um, because it was kind of like a house concert. Right. So it was very small and intimate, but right. it was absolutely right. super. And I mean, it, it really was so enjoyable. Yeah. He loved it. Yeah. You know, he, he, yeah. It was the seventh seventh heaven. Yeah. So I think that's that's um, right. I think it's you know if you're you, you're not going. You're not thinking, oh, I've got to achieve this. That's right. I've got to. Yeah, it's more about the actual the process mm-hmm. of and whatever happens, happens. But if you love the process of that thing, mm-hmm. for me, I love mm-hmm. to write a poem. And somebody said once, how long does it take to write a poem? I say one week or 52. <laughs> it depends, right? But mm-hmm. I just love that process of working the line and working mm-hmm. the line and working mm-hmm. the line. It's like mm-hah. rolling out. You know, I just keep rolling it and rolling it and rolling it. Mm-hmm. And then what I've discovered in the last couple of years is the process has become more important to me than the actual poem. So when the poem is done, if I feel like it's finally ready, there's almost a bit of sadness because oh, I was enjoying the process of it so much. <laughs> yeah, right? So now I need to move on to another one. <laughs> so yeah, the process has become the much more important thing to me now. And the, the, the end result seems to be a bit more irrelevant than it used to be, mm-hmm. you know, so I do love it. I know. The, I mean, you've definitely got a very, very unique sort of um, voice and style. Oh, thanks, Pat. You know, it's, you. Uh, you know um, I, I don't read a, a lot of poetry. I, yeah. I'm more, more would be inclined to read prose. Yeah. But um, I, I have read, <laughs> I mean, even the titles are... You know, yeah. there's, there's sort of um, the in the first, that first one poking seaweed with a stick and run, run away from the smell. Yeah, running away from the <laughs> smell. Running away from the smell. Yeah, the titles have always been hugely important to me. I mean, I suppose mm. they should be important to every writer. They probably are, but 
I'm always looking for something that's just slightly left of centre. Mm-hmm. But it's a feeling kind of, mm-hmm. how does that feel? And mm-hmm. it's hard to describe, yeah. but finding a title. I was just talking to Maggie about this yesterday mm-hmm. in Waterstones. Finding the title can be quite a challenge, mm-hmm. you know. Certainly with the first book, it took me three years to write, probably a year to find, to really settle on the right mm-hmm. title. It's, it is very evocative, you know I mean? You, yeah. You, um, <coughs> you know, you're, it's, it's got a strong image and you're yeah. sort of thinking, um, <laughs> you know, you, you can almost imagine a child. Yeah, well that's right, and I think, I suppose that's what I was trying to capture. <clears throat> and uh, that title is about a game we played as kids on probably Ayrshire Beach or or Air Beach or Presswick or Girvan. Oh, actually, Lendlefoot. I got it right eventually. So we placed just outside Girvan called Lendlefoot. And, and that where, you, where do you come from? I come from Lanarkshire. Right. Uh, but we had a wee caravan at Lendlefoot, mm-hmm. and that's where we used to go. But the sea would wash up all this um, really thick seaweed, you know. Mm-hmm. And in those days, it's a really warm summer day, if you poked the seaweed with a stick, there was a dreadful smell that would emerge mm-hmm. and all the flies would go scattering. Mm-hmm. But that's where that came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to run away because it smells so bad, but also because the book is a memoir about delving into the past. So it's almost like, you know, the seaweed is a metaphor for the past in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when you start poking around in your past, you never know what you might smell. <laughs> Really, you know, I liked a lot, a lot of the phraseology and the yeah. cadence of it as well. Oh, thanks! Oh, that's you know, really I, nice I, to hear. I, I listened to um, the first YouTube I went on to listen. I couldn't get on to it because. I would have had to upgrade, and I thought, oh, oh right. goodness, you know, because it's I know, pain, I know my sister's in Canada, and some things I'll say to her, and she can't get. But oh, then I got right. one oh, that, okay. that um, I was able to um, listen to, and um, no, I, oh, that's I good enjoyed to hear. it. Nice, it was a nice sort of delivery. Right. Oh, that's yeah. nice to hear. Mm-hmm. It's particularly nice as well when when you say that you don't particularly listen to a lot of poetry or no. read a lot, you know, and mm-hmm. that's really mm-hmm. that's really lovely. No. I'm so I, I, no, I don't. I mean, it's, um, a, a lot of it. Um, you know, I, I I just can't get into it. Yeah, I, I just, that's right. I, I, I get it. I get it. I, I it's the same. Get... I couldn't get into poetry. I was one of those yeah. people that said I hate poetry. Like, was it for? Like, you know. And then, weirdly and embarrassingly, I started writing that. I thought, what is no, that? I mean, I, I do like Maggie's um, Maggie's poetry, up, and then I like um, you know Brian Whittingham. Oh, I don't know. Um, Brian is the, they've got a marker now for Paisley. Oh, so do he's the Paisley. Oh, okay. Because oh, Maggie, Maggie was the Stirling That's marker. right. Yeah. Um, so Brian's the, um, and yeah, well, so, some people that I, um, some type of poetry I like, but I suppose that's the same with everybody. Well, you know what, if you, mm. I often tell people, or say to people, it's like you can't sit down and say you don't like music because that's daft. Exactly. So, but so classical jazz, whatever, whatever, there's like a million different kinds of music within music. So it's the same with poetry. Yeah. And what I also um, have discovered, discovered back then was, oh, I see, it's not that I hate poetry. I just haven't found the poet that I like yet. I haven't found the poet yeah, that speaks absolutely. to me. That's yeah. all it is. And and when you find a poet that speaks to you, God, mommy, dad, it's amazing. It's like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know? 
So I think the first poets I found were, well, Charles Bukowski and um, some of the American poets. They're, they're the ones that really spoke to me and really set me off on the, the journey, if I can and use that word. when did you start writing? Um, probably about five years ago. Mm-hmm. You didn't write before that? I didn't write poetry before that. Mm-hmm. And I, started, mm-hmm. I did my prose, so the first book was published about um, nine or ten years ago now, and I kept writing, so I've got another memoir on the go, and I was writing it and writing it, but I was working full-time, and life gets in the way, but I was doing a wee bit of writing, and, you know... Yeah, so I just kept writing and writing, and then about five years ago, I was in a, a wee bookshop in the Blue Mountains, which is where I was living at the time. It's an hour and a half out of Sydney, mm-hmm. in this kind of mountainous region. And I I stumbled on a, a book in the second-hand bookstore called Eight American Poets. And I don't even know why I picked it up, mm-hmm. but I did pick it up. Mm-hmm. And I opened it up at this page, and there's a poet in there called John Berryman, and the opening line in the poem was, Life of Friends is Boring. We must not say so. Oh my God, I just got like goosebumps all over my body, you know. And I just took, bought that book and I just devoured it. And the other poets in it were as amazing. And and then slowly, slowly, I started writing little short things. And I thought, is that a poem? I didn't know if you could call that a poem because I had no experience of writing it. Very little in reading it. And I didn't know. So eventually... There was, um, I went to the New South Wales Writers' Centre because they were doing a six-week conversational thing on poetry. So I went along and listened to this guy talk about poetry. And um, we all had to write a wee thing, you know, every week or whatever. And, and he goes around the room, why are you all here, why are you all here? And I said, well, I'm writing short things, I don't know if they're poems. And anyway, so it turns out they are poems, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, so anyway, yeah, that's how I got into poetry and just realised that what I was writing was poetry. There was there was one um, of your poems I was reading. I can't remember which one it was, but it was really. Um, <laughs> I thought it was really humorous because you invited the reader to insert what they would like at that point. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I, I'd never seen that before. Yeah, but I thought that was <laughs> that, that was you know it was, yeah, it, was right. it was quite quirky, but it was suitable. And that was it. That was it. I remember the line. It was insert your own dream here. So it was uh-huh. this idea of people that are sitting. I was listening to people in a coffee shop. Two young women with babies, and they were like, "Oh, if I could pay off my mortgage, I'd." You know, I'd travel the world or, you know, I'd get new floorboards or whatever her thing was, you know, and I just thought, wow, how many of us sit and do that, you know? If I could only just pay off my mortgage or, you know, or if I won the pools, might be another thing, you know? So, yeah, insert your own dream. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. I thought, well, that's, that, 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 that's, that's a bit different. Yeah. I like you, um, you reading as well. I think that's important. Yeah, another important that I like is um, Fanny Capaldeo. Oh, I don't know if, I don't you, know. if you know Fanny, no. but Fanny, um, she is um, from Trinidad and Tobago. Right. So she, she's got a really, she's got quite an unusual voice. I don't think it's the most typical accent of that area, uh-huh. but it's so nice to listen to. Yeah, you know, right. it's just, this is the um, thing about a poem, it's not mm-hmm. just about the words. It's mm-hmm. about the rhythm of it, as you yeah. pointed out earlier. You know, you like the rhythm of some poems, mm-hmm. the musicality of the whole thing. And there's, there's a poet in, in Australia called Mark Trudinick, who's an excellent po- poet. And I met with Mark once to have a talk about my work. And he talked about the feeling of the words in your mouth 
Right. I never right. experienced mm-hmm. it. I never... Who would think about that? Yeah. It just opened up a whole new thing to me. It was mm-hmm. it just, you know, just amazing. So it's how it sounds. It's how it feels. Uh-huh. And they also say a poem is not complete until it's been read. So you've got the poet, the poem, and the listener. Mm-hmm. And the poem's not a poem unless all of those three things yeah, have been involved, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's got to be read. Now, I've heard Jim, um, you know, say sometimes, you know, if it's maybe looking for a lyric, it's maybe, and it's maybe got a lyric, but he's not too happy with it. And it's because of that. It's yeah. because of the, the feeling when yeah. he's singing it. It doesn't yeah. just feel right. Yeah, it's so, interesting, isn't and then, it? Um, so he's looking for... Yeah. Because this it, is where the joy yeah. is, though, yeah. isn't it? Because right sometimes people will say to him, um, could I send you, you know, something I've written? Could you put music to it? Yeah. Um, Carol did that, the, the jazz singer, mm-hmm. she sent him, um, it was an experience she, she'd had mm-hmm. um, about a gypsy camp when she was young, this vivid right. memory. And she, so she sent the um, the lyrics. And of course you're so attached to your own mm-hmm. lyrics, mm-hmm. but um, he couldn't sing that. No, he, right, yeah, it, I see what Some of mean. it was, mm-hmm. it was, the whole essence of it was, was there, but some of the words had to change or you know just to make it work yeah as a song you know um so it's all it's also um i mean it's 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 pretty fascinating but it's so personal as well it's how you feel about it and at the end of the day that's all you can really work with it's Mm -hmm. how does this feel to me how am i going to make this have the best emotional impact you know it's, it's kind of like once you've sat you've satisfied yourself you put it out there and it's up to people to like it or not like it, mm-hmm. you know? So you just, I guess that's what you do and that's what, obviously what Jim does. Mm-hmm. You need to get the right word that feels right to you and it becomes all-consuming, doesn't it, that, <laughs> getting that right word? I'm, I'm quite... Um, <laughs> sometimes he would say to me, um, I'm a bit stuck with this, do you want to look at it and have to think about it? And I'm sort of so... What I like about it yeah. I said to him, well, you need to tell me what it's about. Yeah. And, and of course, he's not, he's not got this big tangible thing. That it is yeah, about. that's right. I so, but I feel I can yeah. think about it until I know what it's okay, about. Okay, And, so, so and it's, it's whatever it is to coming, that person. Coming at something from completely... Um, Sometimes I can get a word, I think of a word, mm-hmm. because it rhymes. You know, I can yeah. sort of think of something that's yeah. really fit. But... Um, <laughs> it doesn't belong to me. That's exactly you know? right. Yeah, and I think um, as an artist, a musician, or a poet, or whatever, you write the poem, poem that you want to write. You know, you put it down as best you possibly can, and then you put it out into the world, and it'll speak to some people, and it won't speak to others. So it's just um, once you've written it, it's no longer up to you. As my husband pointed out to me once, as I was kind of like dying in the beginning hoping that everybody in the world would like my poetry, right? Like, it's not up to you, just put it out, <laughs> you know. If a few like it, a few like it. No, I think, I mean, you're doing, you're you do. doing, you're doing great. And you were in Ireland too, weren't you? Yeah, I'm going to Ireland going at the end of this time? month. Yeah, so, the last one was cancelled because uh-huh. it ended up not well. But oh, right. this, this uh-huh. uh, yeah, 3rd of September, I fly to Ireland. Mm-hmm. And I've got a 
few readings on Limerick Court, Belfast in Dublin. That's brilliant. I know, it's so good. Mm -hmm. I'm reading with some really fabulous poets there. Yeah, it's all it's yeah. so good. No, that's great. And can you apply for grants or anything to help you with your no? I haven't got I haven't gotten any grant or anything. There's no, mm -hmm. I haven't got any help. Mm -hmm. uh, I did apply for an, um, a grant a few months ago to the Australia Council, mm -hmm. but I didn't get it. But I I think filling in the grant forms is a kind of like a. <laughs> A whole thing in itself, you know. Absolutely. I hear that you need to know how to fill the... I mean, obviously you need to know how to do it well, but um, I didn't do it very well, obviously. But I'll need to try again. Because mm -hmm. I saw that um, Creative Scotland have now got a specific travel grant. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. Mm -hmm. So that'll be specific to people living in Scotland yeah, and travelling, but obviously imagine. I wouldn't be able mm -hmm. to get that. But we might have a similar thing in Australia, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But I do need to check it out. <laughs> No, because it's a lot for, uh, I mean, it's a huge fear coming from Australia. I know, I know it is, but, you know, like we were saying before, you do what you need to do to get your work out there. It would be good if you could get... It's so good. I mean, I was just thinking, talking to Maggie yesterday and thinking about all these, getting me, like, crossing the world to do readings and stuff, and I know that there's nothing that can beat a live reading, really, mm -hmm. but I'm just wondering about how do we... Um, leverage social media more you know yeah. so maybe mm -hmm. you end up doing really fantastic quality videos of you performing a poem mm -hmm. and sharing you know mm -hmm. if you were to share a video and you get two or three or mm -hmm. five hundred people to look at it um it's kind of you kind of got to wonder about getting on a plane and traveling to the other side of the world you know unless you're getting funding but like i said i don't think there's anything that can replace a a live reading, really. You would always want to, to do that. Um, yeah. I would, yeah, that's I would right. imagine. And I love to do that as well, so I would feel as though there was something missing if I wasn't getting to do that. So, but, you know, until something... Well, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, you know, because I love doing it. And if I do get some funding, that would be amazing. And I'll do some more. <laughs> so do you write when, when, say when you're here? Yeah. Do you write? Uh, yeah, I do usually. I haven't done much this time, but... Um, yeah, I bring my laptop. I still have a routine. I go out in the morning and do what needs to be done. And you know, if I've done some work in the day, I feel like the day. Who is it that said that? Sylvia Plath said something like, "If I don't write in the morning, the entire day is jinx." I think Bernard McClafferty writes every morning. Yeah, and it and it becomes that. It just becomes a routine. It doesn't. So like you know, you're not waiting for the news, or I might feel like it later, or I'll have a cup of tea. Then I don't. That's too terrifying for me yeah. to live like that, only because I fear I can fritter an entire day away, so I won't do it. I'm too scared. <laughs> I, I write sometimes like sh short stories. Oh, do you? Um, for, we did a project called Ten Writers Telling Lies, and that was mm -hmm. music and short stories. So it did very, very well. We were quite a lot oh, nice. of festivals, and I write. And, oh, and great. So that went pretty well. But um, I... I can write pretty easily. Mm -hmm. um, I don't need to be... I could write in the bus or in the yeah. hospital yeah, waiting yeah. to get in. That. I don't need a um, quiet no. or, or anything like that. Yeah. But... Um, and I don't... Like you, I, I don't necessarily have any idea about anything. Yeah. No, just kind of yeah. start. Pretty but I don't, I don't... I'm so busy with the website... Yeah. And writing features and mm -hmm. reviews yeah. that 
haven't got that much mm. time to write, but I suppose I'm I'm not I'm not getting the huge drive or volition yeah. to do it either. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean I don't yeah, feel like yeah. I, I would never say, Oh I'm a writer because right. I don't I don't feel like okay. I've got that cloak. Yeah. You know, yeah, fair you enough. Know. But it's good if you can write mm -hmm. and bust open, do these things. You know, I know writers mm -hmm. that do that. Mm -hmm. John Glendy is a mm -hmm. poet who from I think he's from Inverness or certainly the north of Scotland, and he um, he says he you know he does prefer to write in between you know waiting for the bus and getting to his job kind of thing. You know, he just does really you know he writes in between things was what I understood when I heard him speak last year, but. Yeah, it's we're all different. Yeah. I need to write in a public place. I can't write at home. So I get my laptop every day and I go out to mm -hmm. a cafe and that's my desk. Um, probably not that, that, that's um, is quite sociable as well. Yeah, there's something about being out in the world. Mm -hmm. If I'm in the, my office at home with the door shut, there's times where I need that if I'm doing edits to a manuscript or something, but not for the other stuff I need to be out there I need to be hearing it I need to but you know what the other thing is apparently they've developed an app which you can have on your phone and when you you press it it gives you the sound of a cafe oh. so because apparently it's been proven yeah. that cafe background sounds mm. and the clinking cups and all of that stuff is actually very good for concentration mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there you go yeah. I knew, but I just go for the real thing. I don't have an app. Oh, oh. Yeah. I was uh, amused at you saying about hearing the conversations, you know, listening yeah, to well, people that's talking, right. because I, I don't drive, mm -hmm. so I'm on public transport a mm -hmm. lot, and um, I'm always listening to conversations, and then people talk to you as well. Yeah. And I always feel that um, if you're just driving in your car, if you're never on yeah. tra public transport, you must miss out on a yeah. whole, like, because, you, right. because some of the stuff is so bizarre. It's so bizarre, and yeah. it's such great material. Yeah. And then to hear people talking on their phones now, so yeah. they don't even have to be with anyone. You know, you hear arguments and goodness knows all what the people have got their, get their phones out. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. I know. No, it's good to be out in public doing it, for sure. I know. Yeah. But, um, I'm obviously not. I mean, I'm obviously not. I love the old people. No, no. I'm, I'm no doubt in that category. But the, you get a lot of really, really old people on public transport. They can hardly go on the blinking bus, mm. and then mm -hmm. sit down. And they, 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 they mm -hmm. probably a lot of them live on their own, so they want to speak yeah. to you. Yeah. But some of them are so fascinating. And I know, the, right? The, you know, what, what, even what they're doing, you know, why they're on mm -hmm. the bus and where they're going. and Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, you never know what's going on in anybody's life at any one time, passing somebody in the street or whatever. But when I worked in the cafe in Sydney, that was, that was a similar thing. You never, there was a cafe full of people, but you never knew what was going for each person. And I remember serving this couple and then they came up to pay. And I always used to say, what are you up to today or whatever. And I said that to this couple and and the woman said, oh, this is my husband, he's off to Afghanistan today. And I was like, oh, God, mm -hmm. you never know what's going on. Mm -hmm. They were having their farewell yeah. lunch, know. you know, and you just think, God, what a privilege to be there. And But also, don't judge anybody for, you know, the mood they might appear to be well, in. Absolutely, and including don't the waitresses, I always think... You know, <clears throat> if people, you know, if you maybe get a, 
you know, somebody serving you, you know, the waiter, the waitress, and they're not all smiles. Mm-hmm. But I know everybody can be all smiles all the time, and you don't know what's maybe happened. I know. I just think that too. I don't like um, sort of even unless, of course, it's really nasty to you, but but you can't expect um, you know everything to be just okay everywhere you go. You know, that's all the stuff going on. You never know what's happened for somebody. Exactly. No, if I don't get asleep, I'm as crabby as anything. Oh, are you? I'll sometimes say to Jim, have I been crabby today? Okay. <laughs> like, okay. You know, oh, you well. Uh, mention <laughs> well, you've not been crabby yet. <laughs> no. If no. I have a sleep in the afternoon, I wake up very crabby. Really? It's very interesting. Yeah. Very bad tempered if I have. So I don't have a sleep in the afternoon terribly much. Mm-hmm. Well, in extreme situations. I know, occasionally I actually hardly sleep at all. I maybe have only had a couple of hours sleep and I can't get back over. No, it's hard, and, it? when you um, sleep. And all this stuff, you know, in my head, you know, some of it's not even real. Yeah. It's just like utter nonsense, you know. Yeah. And I can't get back to sleep and then I feel so terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I know, sleep deprivation. If, if, I thing. think um, if you're in a routine and you're going out to work or you're up at the same mm-hmm. time every day, mm-hmm. you're fine. Yeah. I think when you don't, um, like I don't have to get up at a certain time. Yeah. So then when I do have to get up at a certain time, those are the, 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 the nights I don't sleep. Because yeah, I must right. have it in my head that I've, yeah. I've got something. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I try not to arrange things in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you don't need that stress. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, so what? I know you're doing the word jazzology. That's yeah. on the 29th. Yeah. Um, Waterstones. Waterstones. Oh, it's, I think it's at mm-hmm. seven o'clock or something. That'll, that'll be a good night. It'll be lovely. Mm-hmm. So good. And Jenny Lindsay's reading with us. Yeah. Jenny Lindsay, performance poet, who we Maggie and I saw Jenny's show at the Fringe the other day. Uh, this script it's called and it's just extraordinary so she's fabulous so we're reading together what, what's the name of the event again the um, Jenny's event no, the, the whole event oh is it Danger Maggie's, Poets yeah Maggie came up with that name Danger Poets right. so it's, Danger that's so Poets. good so. Well, people well, people <laughs> want to yeah that's a good name yeah I <laughs> know it's so good no, so, definitely going along to that oh that's good yeah that's in the 29th then on the 26th I'm reading at the Edinburgh book festival in this beagle tent there yeah. and that's along with Jenny, Jenny mm-hmm. Lindsay. That's fabulous. I know, it's so good. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah and then it'll be time to back up and get to Ireland. So and how long <clears throat> so how long will you have been here in, in um, five people? weeks. That's great. I know. That's good. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. So have you still got quite a lot of family here? Just mum and my brother. Um, and and then you know an old uncle and yeah I'm not connected to my father's side of the family so there are many many relatives I suppose but I don't know them been away for twenty five years and we've been never it's a long time again. isn't it yeah so mm-hmm. I don't I don't know them at all mm-hmm. so you haven't gotten Australian accent anyway. no I don't do it <clears throat> but I do yeah. love coming back because I can talk at my own pace and I can. <laughs> You know, in Australia, I do I do tone it down because mm-hmm. I have to in order to be understood. But uh, it is lovely to just say things and everybody knows what I'm saying. I don't have to repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, there's so many accents, so many um, 
immigrants yeah. in Australia? So, I mean, I guess I will have a lot of Australianisms in the way that I speak when I'm there, understandably. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you pick up the different bits of the Australian language, you know, the Sarvo for this afternoon. Uh, can't even think of any others, but you do adopt those little I didn't, yeah, I have never heard that before. Haven't you? The no. Sarvo, yeah. If you were saying that to me, I wouldn't know what you were, what you were talking about. <laughs> exactly. But no, I know I do. I slow down and I speak quite. I try to speak clearly. Uh, yeah, but I think sometimes talk. people, um, you know, if you've got an accent or that they're not actually listening to what you're saying. I think they start listening to the accent. Yeah, and it can take you. you know, take or, them or, or, or in their head, they kind of think, oh, what's happening here? So they're not. Yeah. They're not. Don't they're not, not listen, taking yeah. it. Taking it in. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> I, I I lived in London when I was a teenager. Yeah. And um, my friend I went with, um, she would have been what you would say very well spoken. Mm-hmm. She had gone to elocution, mm-hmm. and um, I stayed then with her and her sister, who was also very well spoken, and two other um, women from Glasgow, Veronica and Pat Higgins. And they would of all of us, I would have been would have had the strongest accent. Yeah. But where we where we stayed we stayed for a while in oh, in the King's Road actually in Chelsea at the wrong end. The King's Road, the uh, mm-hmm. the World's End it was called. And right. it was kind of like the World's End at that time. Right, okay. Opposite end of Sloan Square. Mm-hmm. But however with quite a lot of neighbours we all went in the one door mm-hmm. and then it was flats. Mm-hmm. But if any of the neighbours came to the door for something I had to go and speak to them because uh-huh. I was the only one that knew what I was saying, oh, was that right? and I had the strongest accent. Right? But I speak slowly. Okay. And, yeah. And, okay. And I think I think that's yeah. that's what it was because yeah. um, they were all much posher yeah. <laughs> than what I was, you know. <laughs> and they were, yeah. they were they were a wee bit put out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Funny>. <laughs> This, um, After all those I, expensive elocution lessons. They the, 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 the knew what I was saying, but they didn't know what any of the rest of them were saying. I wonder if people still have, have elocution lessons. It was a thing when I was young. Mm-hmm. But you don't hear I've so never much heard, of it now, I never hear um, having elocution lessons. No. There's probably a greater acceptance now of the accent you have as the accent. You you know, it's absolutely fine, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I must look into that. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it had, it, it, it had, I don't know, I, I suppose that you used to, uh, actually, you know, when I was in, um, visiting my sister in Canada, you used to, um, especially a long time ago, and she'd been there over 30 years, and you would meet people, you know, from Glasgow, and would have a very, very strong accent, mm-hmm. quite, maybe quite a rough accent, mm-hmm. and a bit of a fabulous job, Yeah, and you, right. would, you would mm-hmm. think... They probably wouldn't have got that job here at that time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and maybe Canada similar to Australia say, 25 yeah. years ago. Yeah. It, it certainly felt like the land of opportunity to me. Mm-hmm. There was no end of jobs and, and mm-hmm. people would give you a go at things even if you had no experience in it. Mm-hmm. So you could get a job trying all sorts of different things. Yeah. You know, it's quite different mm-hmm. now. But And also, maybe like you were saying, you know, with the accent and finding yourself in those far-flung countries... A wee bit of a curio, mm-hmm. and uh, interesting. <laughs> no, I've, ne- I've never ever been to um, Australia. You must um, come if you can stand the journey. I, I, it seems a, a long, 
a long journey. As long as the right word for it is mm-hmm. long. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess as a as a writer, I'm okay to just sit for long periods of time and not mm-hmm. need to move or do anything. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, when's this going to be over? Mm-hmm. I just I'm just quite happy. You know how long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Sit there with a notepad and stare out the window. Mm-hmm. Just be staring out the window anyway as a poet at home. Right? I'm quite happy flying tired and you're on and off in half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> That's my ideal flight. Yeah, um, that's right. It's long I'm going to Canada long. No, it's yeah, what's six, it? It's about six or seven, oh, seven hours. Seven. But I feel as if it's... Um, especially yeah. going back. Yeah. No, maybe it's easier in a way if it's longer. Well, you're, there's nothing you're, you can do. You're on there. And that's it. You know, so the first leg is about... Well, depending on where you're flying from. But from here to Dubai, let's say Glasgow to Dubai, it's about eight hours and then... Two hours on the ground and then about 14 hours stretch from Dubai to Sydney. It's very long. 22 flying or so. Take a good book, watch lots of movies. But it's worth it. I know, it's <laughs> worth it. For it's sure. great, great that, you, um, that you've, you've come and then mm. no doubt when you're here, other people will be saying to you other ideas. About yeah, coming back, that's and right. Future things because so you're making all these connections. Yeah, that's right. That's why it's also very worthwhile doing. Yeah, and Maggie and Ian are hoping to come back in 2020, so we're just trying to work that out right now. And we'll line up some more readings, and yeah, you never know what might what might happen. Yeah. So do you do do you take workshops and things like that as well? As in, do I run them? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. No. No, I don't do that at all. No, I wouldn't have a clue. It's for other people that know what they're doing mm-hmm. <laughs> and feel they can impart something. I haven't. I can't even imagine how that works. So no, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Just sit quietly writing by myself. So many people doing that now. Yeah, yeah I guess um, there's there's people that need to try to make a bit of a living. You know, mm-hmm. but um, I, yeah, I don't know how all that works. I wouldn't know. Yeah, a lot of planning and advertising and stuff like that. Is, is yeah. uh, planning every class? Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> that too. Other people that know how to do that very well, like Maggie Gibson. Yeah. I went to some of Maggie's classes. Yeah, because yeah, it's not yeah. just enough about the planning of the lesson. The person running it brings a magic, and Maggie brings a magic. Mm-hmm. And you you go places you didn't think you'd ever go, but that's because mm-hmm. of Maggie. That's not because you know there's a format or there's a you know a lesson written down that mm-hmm. we're all going to follow. It's, mm-hmm. she it's works working with the magic. Hard. She works very hard um, yeah. as well, though, mm. um, and she gives good um, feedback. Yeah, you know, she does. Everybody that hands something in, every single thing, she reads it and gives feedback. Yeah, she takes mm. great care of every single person. So, I think you and, and Maggie and Ian, it's been a great match, hasn't oh, it's it? It's been such a great match. Mm-hmm. When I met Maggie and Ian, I loved them for the minute I met them, and then when they came to Australia, it was just amazing. Just, I just feel so comfortable with them. But it's more than that. It's almost like tapping into, this is going to sound really daft, but, you know, tapping into the old days, the old connections from from growing up. I just feel mm-hmm. as though there's a real strong connection to, you know, I don't know, it feels, I don't even know the right way to say it, can I? I don't know, I'll need to think mm-hmm. about that. But it's like meeting up with family you haven't seen for years, but you love them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. They'll mm-hmm. just... Mm-hmm. 
I feel as though I'm really myself when I'm with them. Mm -hmm. And I guess when I'm in Australia, there's a certain extent because I don't, I kind of just, you know, fly through conversations and, and, and speak with my terrible Glasgow accent and all of that stuff. You're never quite 100% who you really are. But when Maggie and Ian came, I felt so at home in their company. Just, just you know, the subjects we covered, our sense of humour, it's all mm -hmm. the same. The, you know, the things that we got mad about were the same, you know, just just such a lovely connection. So grateful for it. Oh, and then the, the, it obviously all gels very well in the word jazzology. I know, it's, it's, it's well, going to be better. I'm so honoured to be invited to read, because I hadn't really met Maggie before she invited me, so she knew I was coming and we'd known each other on social media. And she sent me a wee message one day saying, if you're here, do you want to come and read with us at Word Jazzology on this day? And of course I grabbed it. So I hadn't met her bef even before that, and that, that was really that was the start mm -hmm. of it. It was it was a fantastic night, and we've been close ever since. Oh well, mm. I hope that I expect there's going to be lots more sort of big long flights back I think so. between. Yeah, the, I do believe the, so. The two of you. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. Mm. That was really really yeah, really, um, really great. Is there anything? else you in sort of planning that you want to reveal or oh well, I guess uh, in 2020 the and my heart crumbles like a coke can is being published by Polygon in Edinburgh so I think that's coming out spring mm -hmm. and so I'll be coming back to do some kind of launch and readings around that yeah, I've got that written down oh, here that was one oh, of the ones on I really you. liked and yeah. I like that title too yeah right thanks thank you so the the next book will be my next book is coming out in australia at the end of this year and that seems to be called the lactic acid in the calves of your despair right. so that's this next collection and then the coke can book is coming in the spring next year in the uk so we'll be a bit of crossover there but well it's all um, good. So you'll be coming back to... I will come back in 2020, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, remember and, and let me know, then oh, I, I can flag up all the... Um, yeah, that'll be good, the, thanks, I will. The, the event. So I'm really looking forward to um, seeing you reading yeah, on the 29th. Yeah, that'll be good to see I'll you. I'll be along, because I had hoped to go to... Um, on yeah. the, I was planned to go on the 10th yeah. to Edinburgh, but... Um, it was clashing with that family thing yeah. that I had to do. Yeah. So it'll definitely be there oh, on the 29th. So you just need to scoot so. along the road, come and have a glass of wine. There will yep. be wine. <laughs> I hear. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there anyway. Wine or, wine or no, or no yeah. wine. So oh, that's good. Well, that is so interesting. You know, uh, I'm glad that you're, you're doing so well and yeah, there's so Pat. much going on. It's great. So and good. Thanks so for all your support on social media and everything else. It's so lovely. Yeah. Thank you. Good to meet you. Thank you. So, thanks, What an entertaining and fascinating chat between Pat and Ali Whitelock. I can only apologise for the audio interference. It seemed to get worse as it went on and I'm really, really sorry about that uh, because we do our best to try and get the audio as, as good as we can, but sometimes you just got to decide, well, will we put it out as it is or do we just not put it out at all? So we just made the decision to put it out and hopefully uh, you still enjoyed it. Okay, I'll catch you the next time. Bye for now.